After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got to go. Okay, fellas, we are set to go. Let's go. We are kicking. Watch the blue. There we go. Yeah, baby. Number 47 for Boston. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting. Please move it. Please move it. Please move it. I got to admit this. I made a mistake. I think I'm bang on this. I'm bang on. Okay, gentlemen, play ball. Watch it here. Good checking, guys. Good play. It's the middle of March. We're getting closer to the trade deadline. And, you know, honestly, Josh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy each year when the trade deadline passes because there's so much hype and build up to it. And not one referee gets traded every year. I just I wait and I wait and I wait and it doesn't happen. It hasn't happened. We have former players that are moving to officiating, so we've got a, a closer tie-in. But yeah, I keep waiting for, uh, you know, maybe we'll, we'll trade a ref to linesman or vice versa. I, I don't know, but I, I'd love to see a player for official swap. If we could make that happen, just, just you know, fourth line grinder even. I'd, lo- I'd like to see some of that. Yeah, you know, maybe an, and, uh, uh, an assignment to be determined later, a little future consideration, something like that. Maybe we could put in, in, in the mix. I think that'd be fun. You get a non-playoff team who's looking to move some assets. Maybe they trade a huge big guy to be a linesman for the postseason, get some action in there for future considerations. Why not? Yeah, it could work out. This is the Scouting the Refs podcast. It's it's back again each week, looking at different circumstances and situations that take place in the National Hockey League. Please make sure you're following us on our social channels. For Josh, it's at Scouting the Refs on Twitter and Instagram. Of course, you've bookmarked ScoutingTheRefs.com on your web browser. And for me, it's at Toddler with Sports on both Twitter and Instagram. On this week's episode, apparently it does happen twice. The puck is in the net, but it's not a goal. Hey, what's your name? And this time, it's a player that gets tossed. I think that sort of rounds out our week, wouldn't you say? Hey, players getting tossed. You know, it's it's fine when you commit certain infractions, but uh, when you're inspired by a coach from a prior week, <laughs> it's a little bit different. Interesting. Okay, so last week on the podcast, we spent a bunch of time on this because I was completely stunned at what I thought was such a rare situation happening. Apparently not. Last week, it was both the Hurricanes and the Oilers having a goal nullified due to a missed offside. But this week, in a game between the Montreal Canadiens and the Edmonton Oilers, the Montreal Canadiens had two goals cancelled because the play was offside. It was so weird. It was so strange as I'm watching this game and I sent you the text like it's happening. It's happening again, Josh. What's going on in our world? I don't know. It's it's absolute insanity out there. And I I know we want to get the call right. And these plays were both offside. So it's really not uh, not that there's a controversial call per se, but just that this mechanism is happening and it's getting the call right. But twice to a team in one game, how about twice to a team in a period, less than two minutes yeah. apart, right? I think it, was, it was probably the fastest two challenges I can recall. I don't even believe it's a full moon outside, so you can't, you can't <laughs> do that. But it was it was a very strange set of circumstances because I'm watching the game. And it's like, oh, okay, they had the goal nullified. And then minutes later, it's happening again. I, I don't believe this is, this is, but again, this is an indication that the process is working properly and good for those video coaches who are tracking every zone entry in every game. It, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of probably the most underrated positions in hockey right now is the guy who's sitting up there and not concerned with anything other than zone entries and, and watching them and reviewing them and, and teams have dedicated staff doing this. And Sometimes your record and your your win or loss in a given night comes down to the strength of your video coach. 
Another rather kooky one that happened this past week was a goal that was called good initially on the ice in the Panthers and Sabres game. Florida forward Patrick Hornquist, being his usual bullish self, charges towards the net with the puck. He's jamming away at it. The puck winds up in the net. The referee indicates the puck is in the net and a goal has been scored. Standard procedure. Also pretty standard but doesn't get recognized all the time, is a glance at the video on just about every scoring play, and the referees checked in at the penalty box with the office in Toronto, and it was quickly determined that the puck entered the net illegally. In It was in the net, but it didn't cross the goal line. Now, how did this happen? It went underneath the net, which is not allowed. No, yeah, that's really frowned upon to uh, to score other than <laughs> through the goal mouth opening. But it does happen from time to time. And I'm glad you pointed out, Todd, that it's worth reminding everyone that the NHL does look at every single goal, not for coaches challenge, not for goaltender interference, but they do look to make sure the goal was being scored legally, whether it was kicked in or a high stick deflection or crazy situations. We've seen pucks go through the netting itself to enter the net or, as in this case, a bumped net, a, a little bit of space underneath and the puck squirts under. So it's something that the league looks at on all plays. For the most part, it's transparent. But on situations like this, when they do need to maybe spend a little bit more time, call the officials over, uh, it's nice to know that the NHL is keeping tabs and making sure that it was, in fact, a legal goal. Or, in this case, it wasn't. I don't know about you, but one of the ways I usually look for this during the game is that often the teams will start to line up for the face-off at center ice after the goal. And the linesman will look over to the penalty timekeeper's box and one of the officials in the box will give the thumbs up that, yep, we're OK. The goal is good and you can proceed. Yeah, or you or you don't. And everyone pauses right. and looks around uncomfortably and then the, <laughs> the headsets go on. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun live when you're watching a game in person. I, I hate to say it, but I focus on the officials. Obviously, I'm, I'm watching where the guys are. They're positioning of course you do. who's in line to make the calls. But after the goal. Right, right to the timekeeper. All right, let me see what's going on here. Is, are they are they gesturing for the headsets? Is there going to be a coach's challenge? It's it's funny, and I know that we feel like, and I, I've talked to some fans who've agreed that sometimes it, it takes the excitement away because a goal scored, and you hold your breath to see if there's a coach's challenge. I, I've been holding my breath for years every time after a goal. Is it going to be reviewed? What's going on? Is this actually going to play out? So, uh, fun fun way to watch the game live, and uh, you nailed it, Todd. Watch the watch the timekeeper. See what's happening. I noticed on social media this past week that you and former NHL referee, now rules analyst Dave Jackson for ESPN, because they have one, unlike some other networks, but that's okay. Uh, you, you two were tweeting regarding officials and different teams and having different processes for learning and knowing the officials who are working at that night. It's sometimes it's a, a piece of tape along the bench. Sometimes it's a, a list that's posted, but the teams are becoming more and more prominent in doing this and reminding players which officials are working on the ice. And I think it's good for everyone. Yeah, I think they realize that you you get a lot more of a positive response or a reaction by knowing who the guys are. You know, hey, ref, hey, stripes, shouting out, Okay, you'll you'll get the guy to turn his head. But if you know it's Wes, if you know it's TJ, if you know it's Kelly and you can call these guys by name, I, I think you get a little more buy in to to get your voice heard and to maybe make your argument there, both both for the coaches and for the players. You know, having that awareness certainly goes a long way towards making the officials feel more respected on the ice. So nice to see teams making an effort. We had a couple of other game situations that I want to run through and I think are worthy of discussion. 
they happened on consecutive nights this past week. We had fans and keyboard crusaders who were ripping into officials for some apparent infractions that were not called and adding fuel to the fire is that there were late in the game slash overtime incidents and that took place in two markets where, uh, how should we say, the fan bases feel that they're victims? Would that be a fair way of classifying Edmonton and Toronto, do you think, Josh? Not only victims, but victims of officiating is, is what we often hear. <laughs> so they're being persecuted. The officials don't like a fill-in-blank of team here, but certainly more concentrated around those two particular cities, it seems. All right. Game one was in Edmonton and Washington Capitals were in town late in the game. The Caps are trying to tie the game and send it to overtime. And there was an Edmonton Oilers opportunity to seal the game as they were headed towards the empty net when there was a hooking infraction by Alex Ovechkin that disrupted the play. Turns out the Cavs did tie the game and then the Oilers went on to win in overtime. Now, watching this game and watching on replay sure looked like that could have and should have been a call to me. I, I thought the same thing. Uh, and watching it in real time, uh, the, the hook was pretty apparent there. Ovechkin's stick went out. It, it caught Hyman in the midsection. It slowed his progress, which allowed another defender to make contact with him. Wide open net down there, change of possession. This is, to me, a clear penalty. First minute, last minute at any point in the game. Uh, clearly a hooking penalty and, and one that wasn't called and, and impacted the game by the non-call there. Okay, the other one was the next night and it involved the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Arizona Coyotes. Um, Maple Leafs were actually stinking the joint out pretty good. They were down three goals before switching goalies to their last minute call up and decided to play a little bit in the third period. The Leafs did tie the game and in overtime, Arizona went into the Toronto zone with a two on one that was aided as the play moved up the ice by Jacob Chikorin holding on to Austin Matthews. Just kind of gave him a little grab to slow him down a bit. Chikorin moved to the center of the ice, wound up pounding the puck into the net for the overtime winner, which, of course, got everyone's attention that, again, was this a call that was clearly missed and should have been made? This was a tough one. Uh, looking at the play, you know, you're watching along the boards. You've got a, a player. Again, the puck is there. So that's where the officials are focused. You've got a player whose position is impacted. You could see it slowed him down. And then maybe Marner could have battled through it a bit more, but clearly impacted, clearly a, a hold on the play and, and no call. So uh, really a, a tough one there. And it, looking at the footage, it seemed even like the officials were in good position to make the call. So uh, an unfortunate one, uh, certainly for fans of the Toronto Maple Leafs, especially. So in both of these situations, I think the discussion is worthwhile. Were the calls missed? And I think in both situations that you and I agree that they were. But here's where it gets tricky and where the persecution complex comes in. Were the officials deliberately not making calls? Now, fans of the team are saying, yes, they're, they're, they're penalizing us and they don't want us to win and they never want us to win a, another game or a Stanley Cup or anything. And that's, that's a bit of a leap to make. However, Mike Johnson from TSN, who's a terrific analyst, also made a valid point that we've discussed a little bit previously. If the officials are not calling the penalties to try to stay out of the game, they are in effect deciding the game and that can't happen. Right. And it's it's a difficult spot to be in. I mean, certainly 
as an official, you call a penalty. You, you know it's putting a team on a power play. It's putting a team shorthanded, and that can be a pivotal moment. But conversely, by not calling the penalty, you're letting the other team get away with a, an obvious or sometimes an apparent infraction that may change possession, may eliminate a scoring chance, which can be just as significant. So you're impacting by making a call. You're impacting by making a non-call. So the important thing as an official is to, to come down to the standard of – I'm going to call the game the same way from start to finish. If this hook is a hook in any minute, in any situation, I need to call that hooking penalty. And by maintaining a clear, consistent standard, that's how you don't impact the game. The players know where the line is. They know when they cross it, you're going to call a penalty. You're letting them decide whether or not they want to go over the line, and you're just responding to it by the penalty call. So that's the best way to do it is to have that clear standard, stick by that standard. And and then you are truly letting the players decide because if you've communicated and they see where the line is and it's the same in the first period or in overtime, then they're the ones who are choosing to go over. It's taken it out of your hands because you're calling a clean and consistent game. Just to play devil's advocate with you a little bit, the instruction, of course, is call what you see. Don't think you see it call what you see and if if it's a missed call it's a missed call these things do happen throughout a season oh yeah they do and and, you know as a team or as a coach or as a player you hope that they even out from time to time it's human nature Uh, these are humans there are going to be missed calls just like there are missed passes missed shots pucks over glass and the things that people didn't intend to have happen so it is going to happen and It doesn't mean that there's any bias. It doesn't mean there's any intention. It doesn't mean there's any grand conspiracy theory. I I saw both sides of it. Referee Kendrick Nicholson is from Milverton, Ontario. He loves the Maple Leafs. (laughs) No, he's from Ontario. He hates the Maple Leafs because like, (laughs) he loves them so he can't call things for them. So he's biased against I've heard every argument. And what it comes down to is that there, there will be missed calls. Certainly, the magnifying glass is much larger when it's a game-deciding play in overtime, in the final seconds, in the final minute, and at any point in the playoffs. So it definitely puts a bigger spotlight on it. But they they do happen, and uh, they'll continue to happen because even improvements in officiating, improvements in what the league is doing to help develop officials, grow officials, and, and manage that, there are always going to be missed calls because there are always going to be humans making those calls. Okay, and the other the other game situation involves the Colorado Avalanche and the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, a good close game between two top teams in the NHL. It's scoreless in the third period. Nazem Kadri gets whistled for a high stick. Uh, he and his Avalanche brethren feel that there also should have been a diving or embellishment penalty on the victim, Jesperi Kotkaniemi. Now, later in the game... Kadri gets hooked uh, or restrained by a Canes player and the chirping started about how that could have and should have been called. Colorado Avalanche captain Gabriel Landeskog, I don't know whether he addressed the officials by name during the game or waited until after, but he had some words for TJ Luxmore that didn't sit so well and Landeskog got himself thrown out of the game. Afterwards, though, he did speak about the conversations with the referees on the ice. 11 years, I've never sat and talked about referees in a press conference ever. Uh, I think Wes and TJ Luxmore do a great job tonight, actually, for 50-something minutes of the game. Uh, they call the high stick on Nas on Niederreiter, which might have been a high stick, but Niederreiter falls easy. We're arguing that it's a flop. They say it's still a high stick. Fair enough. Nas gets at five, 5.50-something on the clock. Niederreiter is hooking Nas up the boards. 
Um, you know, the puck turns over, we go the other way, they score. We're arguing that it's a hook. They're saying that Nas is flopping. We're arguing it's still a hook, just like they're arguing before. And it's unfortunate because that's a playoff game tonight. And, uh, you know, it's it's very unfortunate that it comes down to that. Uh, like I said, I thought Wes and TJ did a great job up to that point. It's one of those things where, you know, it's a very competitive game. Power plays don't come around very often, especially in games like this. And, and that's why I'm, I was happy Wes and TJ did a good job of letting us play all, all game tonight. It's unfortunate it comes down to bounce like that. You know, whether a guy's been suspended numerous times or not, what's he going to carry around that heavy baggage forever? I, I, I'm not saying that TJ and Wes were, you know, didn't call it for that reason, but, you know, Nas is a guy that's competitive and, and whether he sold that call or not, you can look at the video and the stick is in his waist and that's why he loses the puck. I think it's unfortunate and I think it's it's time for, you know, sometimes it's time for players to step up and, and speak our truth because, you know, I'm the one that looking like an idiot for getting thrown out of the game, even though I'm just, you know, just being honest. And I guess TJ didn't like that. I said he had a tough night, Um, but uh, that's the way it is. Now, first of all, I think Gabriel Landeskog was very detailed in his account of what happened. It is only his side that we are hearing, however. So I don't know how respectfully he addressed the officials uh, about his questioning the call, but for him calling for for transparency and and maintaining a standard, I'm I'm perfectly okay with that. I thought he was very well spoken. Yeah, I think that's the key. You don't want to come out guns blazing and and tear guys apart, throw them under the bus, anything like that. I, I think there will be frustrations from players, and and I think there will be calls that maybe you agree with or don't agree with. And I think that's what Landis Gog was really voicing here. It's we've seen some skilled players in the past, Crosby included, voice their concerns or displeasure, even McDavid, on how things are called. And I think if you if you make an argument and if you discuss situationally and not attacking the officials, I think there's probably room for that discussion. I, I wish, Todd, that there were room for more understanding. You know, we know what Landeskog's comments were, mm-hmm. but I'd love to hear from TJ. I'd love to hear from Wes. And, and you know, it's nice to see that he did mention them both in his postgame comments to to address the officials by name. And not that he was calling them out, but that he acknowledged who they were and who was working. But, you know, I think what he's looking for is the same thing that Crosby and McDavid have called for in the past, is just trying to understand why why is it this way? Why does it feel like the calls are different? What happened in this situation you know, is it because Kadri's been suspended and, and that's why the call was made? I don't I don't think that would weigh in. But when the perception of a top player is that that could be a factor, I, I think we have a ways to go to try to get everybody on board, have the players understand the calls a little bit. And I, I'm not calling for post-game media for officials. I, I don't know that that's necessarily the answer, but certainly some understanding might go a long way towards, you know, why was this call and why was that not a call? It's uh, it's hard and I can see where Landis Gow could be frustrated. That's where the difficulty, I guess, is that players want knowledge, they want information, they want understanding. This is this is just one game of maybe a thousand more that they're going to wind up playing in the National Hockey League. So they don't want to encounter the same challenges or difficulties going on in the future. If it's if it's not a call, okay, explain to me why it's not a call so that I understand in the future. And we see at at times there are different degrees of conversation and discussions that take place regarding a specific call that's made or an incident on the ice some referees and and linesmen are more 
conversive about why a call was made or how a call was made than others. And this this is a, a common thing that we hear from coaches and from players is I, I didn't get an explanation or I didn't get enough of an explanation. And maybe there's got to be some sort of mechanism that we can put in place to have this take place, a regular dialogue. Well, you know, the, the NHL officiating crew circulates videos post-game with the officials that work the game and with the larger group as a whole to talk about specific situations or plays and discuss a call or a non-call and what happened and, and what the standards should be. It'd be a great opportunity to share, and I'm, I don't want them to share all of them, but it'd be great for them to share some of the responses to that either publicly or at least with coaches and players to say, you know what, we went back and looked at this and maybe it was a missed call. Maybe there were other factors, but let's break it down and explain what happened on the play and, and let's give you some more clarity so you understand it. I mean, if the league's sharing that with their officials so they can set the standard, would there be harm in extending that audience to include players and coaches so that they too can understand where the standards should be that the officials are working towards? I'll give you another step. Would it be harmful to share that with fans to help them better understand the rules and better understand enforcement? I, I think it'd be great. I think it would help. And, you know, we look at broadcasters, too, who help relay those messages. Yes. And, and to know that, you know what, the league has sent a memo out saying that they're going to crack down on slashing around the hands. Well, why not show more of that? And we did see the video for that, which was amazing. Why not do some of those incremental updates or those reminders that they're putting out there? Because, yeah, it would make fans less frustrated. It would allow broadcasters to educate fans on why a certain call may have gone a certain way. And I know it's still not going to be 100 percent consistent. But if we're all working towards that standard and the league is reminding the officials of what the standard is, remind everyone else. We can all learn together and then that'll help set expectations. You know, when the next penalty mm -hmm. comes up on a call or a non-call, maybe we'll all be better informed. It's no different than the explanation videos they put out for discipline and, and suspensions and the like. It's like, here's the incident. Here's what took place. Here's why we ruled this way. Here's the penalty that we've chosen to to levy. It's a similar kind of thing. It's a it's an instructional. It's a helpful. It's an educational, better understanding. You're and you're never going to get 100 percent agreement in in the level of enforcement or that was a call or that was not a call, but it, at least it provides a, a bit of clarity and understanding for everyone. Absolutely. And I, and I don't know that the league wants to feel like they need to admit that the wrong call was made. They've done it sparingly in the past, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think it, you, you'd probably get a lot of buy-in for somebody saying, hey, you know what? We messed this call up. Here's what it should have been. We move on. And everyone learns a little bit from it. I mean, it might not make you feel better. At the end of the day, it doesn't change the outcome of the game. But I, I think some some folks would really appreciate that transparency and just admitting that, you know what, we know there are going to be missed calls. This was one of them, unfortunately. Unfortunately. 